Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast. Today, our guest is Phil, who is joining us from Germany. Phil got deep down the rabbit hole, like many of us, growing chili peppers, uh, but was exploring and using the method of hydroponics. Uh, For those looking to learn more about growing peppers and using this method of hydroponics, this episode is for you. Um, Phil does this as a hobby and has learned a lot through the wonderful chili community, uh, but wanted to make sure to mention, do add on to this knowledge by doing your own research. We link out and reference a lot of other information, which is very valuable and helpful as well. Um, But before we get into this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsor, Anton Parr. Hot sauce makers, you work really hard to make that perfect recipe. And as you're scaling up, consistency is so important. And a big part of consistency is viscosity. Simply put, how liquid uh, and thick is your hot sauce? We've all been there before where you take a hot sauce bottle that is way too thin and you actually end up dumping half the bottle out in one pour. Or it's been way too thick and you can't get it out of the bottle, which is not somewhere that you want to be. So with the Visco QC from Anton Parr, you get the leading industry quality control viscometer. For people like me that aren't data scientists and don't have a lot of background in using machinery, this is something that is easy to use. Um, So to find out more about Anton Parr and the Visco QC, take a look in our show notes. Okay, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Um, of course. I think I, I, I'm not exactly sure how our paths crossed. It seems that uh, everything just kind of blurs together. But I, I, I think it was your Instagram and just uh, one of us, each other followed each other. And, and it was just loads of peppers and colors and some interesting stuff that it it sounds uh like you got going on and and we had a a conversation and it sounds like like many of us uh got into the deep rabbit hole of what is uh chili peppers and and growing and everything but um i guess to to start off phil um do you want to kind of introduce yourself and kind of let us know where you're calling in from yeah sure um so I'm calling in from Germany at the moment. I'm uh, I travel a lot, so I don't really live. I haven't really lived in Germany much more than a year, even though I'm German. But um, yeah, I'm, I was. I've been spending a lot of time traveling for work. But now I was the COVID. Um, due to COVID, I stayed a lot in in Germany, and I picked up the gardening bug a lot more than I used to have in different ways. Um, much more into the chili pepper world, and much more into the hydroponics world. Um, that was last year, beginning of last year, um, which was yeah, also kind of why I was in in Europe. So yeah, calling it from from Germany, but I'm going to be probably growing in France uh, mostly this year. Okay, awesome. And uh, and, and I'm a, and I'm in a hobby gardener. I'm not like in case anyone's wondering, I'm not a, a professional or uh, yeah or anything like that. I'm just a hobby gardener, and yeah, I like to be active in the. Um, in the pepper and hydro communities online and, you know, and try out new things, experiment a lot. Um, awesome. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. D- doing it for, for, for the love of it. That's, that's awesome. That's right. Um, 
cool. So wh- where did this interest of uh, kind of chili growing and, and hydroponics come from? So um, I, I always liked very spicy food and I've always been gardening. I was helping my mother with the garden always. And, um, and then I realized um, I, could, I should try my, to you know, plant my own chilies if I really like spicy food that much. And the stuff that I can find in shops in Europe is not that exciting. In the US, you guys have amazing stuff. that you, I, I see people buying Carolina Reapers in <laughs> normal stores. You could never <laughs> see that here, not fresh, you know, not even dried. So it's, it's, um, and it's one of those only things that are, that, that are left that you can really not get everywhere. So that, that kind of makes it attractive to me. Like mm-hmm. I used to always bring gummy bears as a German to wherever I was moving or living, you know, it was always a treat, but now I can find, I've, I, I was able to find um, gummy bears in a small shop in South Sudan, in Japan, like anywhere, you know, it's like, uh, or the, the craft beer stuff, like, uh, like Brewdog, you can find Brewdog yeah, in yeah. Japan or anywhere I mean, now, nowadays, right? Yeah. But not with peppers, not with specialty peppers. So I thought I'll try to grow my own. Um, I tried a couple of times over the years, I think, but never too seriously. And I did because they didn't sprout. I didn't, didn't get them to sprout because mm. I didn't have the right temperature, I guess, um, for the seedlings. Um, yeah, and you, so, yeah. you spent some time in, in Sudan uh, with, with uh, yeah. your work, right? In, in South Sudan, a slightly different a new country since 2011. Okay. So it's um, its own state now. And um, yeah, I was uh, I'm working in like the uh, a field of you know uh, how do you say? I guess I analyze data for like on on displacement. Mm. Um, and so I spent three years there for for that, and I had like a little garden on my balcony. Um, there's the soil there is is very different. It's very very dense. It's like clay, um, which is not great for peppers either. But obviously you have some wild peppers growing there too. I actually visited this um, quite remote place once um, for work, and I found a wild growing chili pepper. Um, wow. and it looked a bit like an like an African pity pity, as you would yep. expect. Um, would you not very, very kind of, small and very small yeah yep, yeah kind of red green and different looks colors a bit, looks a bit like from like a like a fruitessence I, I think if i'm if i'm not mistaken i might be wrong here but um it's yeah t- tiny little peppers and i that was on my in october last year the last time i was in south sudan um so just a couple of months ago and um anyways i <clears throat> was I had dried the seeds and I wanted to bring them back to Europe to, to, to plant them here, you know? And then I put the seeds somewhere to dry anyways, and I forgot them. So I was really upset. Oh, no. <laughs> then I, uh, and because I was in the field and I had my backpack and I just stuffed some peppers, you know, and I mean, people who were living there were looking at me a bit strange. I mean, I asked like, <laughs> can I, can I pick this? Is this anybody's, you know? And they were like, yeah, go ahead. Like you're, you're weird, but do whatever you have to do. <laughs> and so I had these peppers in my backpack and I have the same backpack now. And as you do, you kind of, try to clean your backpack and you see on the bottom I actually had some old dried up peppers still that were in there so maybe these seeds that are I think still in the bucket bottom of my backpack maybe they're, <laughs> maybe they're viable but the, the pods were green I remember so normally you have to wait until the pepper is quite uh, ripe um, for the seeds to be viable so let's see I'll try it out anyways yeah, yeah. Sorry, a bit of a tangent there oh no no that's what uh, it's all about um, I've grown peppers uh, in my garden and, and really a lot of it's been with with my dad who's really started that off and and actually ultimately kind of what got me uh into the hot sauce community was just mm-hmm. uh 
just growing and then having too many and and what do you do with too many peppers you start making hot sauce and and, and the rest is history but um i i really i don't have any experience with hydroponics besides um buying them once when i was uh suddenly out of peppers in february and and couldn't buy them locally so was it did you start any kind of hydroponic growing in Sudan, which makes sense because if if the soil isn't right um, for for growing peppers, um, I'm curious when when you started uh, trying with that i was I was thinking about doing it there. Um, but I mean, I kind of started during a time that was the, the, when I didn't spend that much time in South Sudan anymore. Um, and yeah, and it's difficult to travel with fertilizers because there is a lot of nitrogen. You remember the incident in, uh, where was it, in Beirut? Um, mm, yeah. With the big explosion at the port. I mean, that I think was nitrogen, right? Anyways, you, you can't really go on a plane with nitrogen um, and other fertilizers. So I, I wasn't really able to do it. And the stores there, I mean, you don't, you don't have much. Uh, it's a country without much, you know, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful country, but it doesn't have much um, electricity and and running water and so there's no way you're going to find a hydroponic store you know and you can't really buy things online yeah so yeah it wasn't really possible there but it would and, have been cool there are actually some on that point briefly there's yeah. some really cool projects actually humanitarian projects i think like for example in chad i think it's wfp the world food program from the un they do it it's called h2 h2 grow maybe um might that might yeah anyways and they do hydroponics in uh, displacement sites in like camps and when there's because you use less water in hydroponics, um, surprisingly, and it's called hydroponics, but you use actually less water than the soil because wow. you don't waste any of that water. It doesn't go into the ground and monster yeah. away. So you um, yeah, you have some interesting uh, humanitarian projects with with hydro. Um, yeah. Interesting. Some really cool stuff. Yeah. And I guess um, some people may know hydroponics. I think I first really heard about it maybe 10, 10 15 years ago, um, but it's it certainly grown in uh, kind of practice and popularity, but do you mind uh, kind of giving your best shot at, at a de- definition of hydroponics for those that may not be familiar with it? Uh, geez, yeah. Well, we, um, we won't <laughs> quote you. We won't quote you, but just to, to, good, give, give some information about, yeah. about. I guess I've, I've kind of had to do it a few times now with um, friends and family who were asking me what, what I meant with hydroponics. Um, so it's uh, it's a method of just simply growing food. Uh, I mean, growing plants without soil. Um, and if you think there isn't enough, you know, nutrients, there aren't enough nutrients in soil, uh, in just uh, just in water. Sorry, um, you'd be right. Um, so you add nutrients, but you can kind of exactly add what the plants need into the water. When you have soil, if you have soil from one place and another one, of course, you'll have two very different like uh, nutrient profiles in those soils. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you in a way have to be lucky to have the right soil for your plants. It's a bit difficult, uh, different if you um, buy soil, of course, but um, with hydroponics, you can really control what goes into the uh, into the water and you can adapt the nutrients depending on the needs of the plant, not just from plant to plant, but also from um, grow in, in the, during different growth um, stages. Mm. So um, you would want something with lots of, um, so you have normally NPK, it's nitrium, Oh, now I don't know, nitrium, phosphor, and potassium or something, um, NPK. And so you want lots of um, nitrogen. Yeah, that's it. It's nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Those are the main 
nutrients in um, that, that the plants need to grow. But there are some other smaller ones that you need less of. Okay. But those are the just so for generally many different types of plants could be peppers, yeah. could be lettuce. And, and if yeah. you buy normal fertilizer, you'll always see like three numbers on it, or you'll see NPK on it. And you often okay. see like three, three, two or whatever. And that means the a three N, a three P and three K in terms of like the proportion and amount of nutrients of each that is in there. And so you'd want something with high N nit nitrogen if you want something to grow quickly and green, you know. Mm. just the growth but you want a lot more um p and k for um uh, fruiting so that's different and if you for example would mix your nutrients and have too much nitrogen during the flowering or fruiting stage of your tomatoes or peppers for example you would have um you would inhibit that growth of fruits and the, the plant would be like going crazy growing really large huge dark green leaves and you know but just not fruiting and be like well i'm really happy here i'm just going to grow really tall and then you realize that it's, you know, the nutrients are maybe way too N heavy. So you take out the water and you um, you make a new mix with more PNK and suddenly the, the plant goes, okay, now I can, you know, have some flowers and some uh, and some fruit. So it depends on that. And so uh, the just to get back to that question, I guess a bit more on, on the cover of the basis. So in hydroponics is growing in water with the necessary nutrients that you can kind of control. Um, and to me, uh, hydroponics, there are a lot of different ways to do hydroponics. But for me, the main thing to remember is that you need um, the nutrients, you need the water, and you need air, so O2. Um, and with those three in combination, you can, you can get those three in many different ways. And so you have the uh, nutrient film technique, for example, where you have something like a, a PVC, long PVC pipe with lots of holes on top, and you have lots of lettuce growing side by side. You might have seen these pictures before. Mm. And you let the, a little, just a film of this nutrient solution um, uh, flow through this pipe. And so the roots hang in just a very thin layer of this uh, flowing um, nutrient solution. And since it's flowing and moving, it has uh, enough oxygen also in there. And so the roots get the oxygen they need. And there's a gap usually between the uh, the plant and the and this nutrient film as well. So there's some air there as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it, you simply pump, you have the roots pretty much fully submerged in a solution um, with nutrients and water, but you um, simply pump air into that water with air stones. And so you can get that at a at an aquarium at a you know a pet store like for aquariums. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're like kind of look like volcanic rocks and you they have an air input and an air pump from outside pumps air into it and the water looks like it's boiling it's just bubbling right and so that's another one that's called um, another method it's called the deep water culture dwc and that's i find that one very easy um, because you can't be lazy about it but of course you should be changing out the nutrient solution um as much as you can but if you and so do you do while, you like uh for, for checking the, the nutrient mm -hmm. solution, um, do you, what do you use to, to measure that? So you can uh, measure the, the um, electroconductivity, the EC, okay. and you can find pretty cheap, but also of course, some pretty, uh, some much better devices online you can buy. You simply dip it into the, um, into the solution. I will have a reading. Um, and there's another, well, you can also just measure the parts per million, the PPM, and that's usually what a lot of beginners will do. But um, for reasons that I'm not going to get to now, is uh, that is usually not frowned upon, but the, the, the um, veterans of, of the hydro world often, often, yeah, 
dismissive of, of reading PPM. You shouldn't be reading the part familiar. You should be reading the electroconductivity. It tells you more about the, the EC, uh, the level. Okay. Anyways, different different units to, to measure it. You also have usually another measuring device, the pH meter. And for that, in case anyone's um, thinking about starting hydro, you will always be told by anyone in any fora, um, you want to get a, a good, a good um, pH meter because, yeah, just the the cheap ones you you won't be able to use them very quickly yep. anymore um so anyways you have to check the ph as well and then you adjust the ph of the water with um, um an acid or a base so usually for me it's i have to put some it's called ph down which obviously just means you you lower the ph with the solution you put a tiny bit into the water and usually it buffers it as well so it can stay at that um at that ph and then you have the yeah and then the the water is uh, yeah, pH, some people say, or it's at the right level of pH. For peppers, you want to be at 5.9, for example. Okay. Do, do you know do you know what like the normal pH of uh, water is? I think it's it's is it around 5.5 if uh... I think that's pretty acidic. I think you would normally, I mean, it really depends, I guess, because that's the funny thing as well. You, yeah. you will have different tap waters everywhere. Some people will use, you know, um, reverse osmosis to have no nutrients or no you know uh, elements in their water at all so you would um yeah you, it depends for me in germany i where i am at the moment the water is at around seven so oh, I, wow. wanna, okay. I do want to bring it down but once i add my you you do that in the end the the ph change okay. so um once you add all the nutrients often there the ph will already have changed a little bit and what I found interesting, there's some really good charts you can look at online if anyone's interested. The um, reason you'd adjust the pH is to um, allow the plant access to the nutrients. There are certain nutrients that can only be accessed if the pH is between, let's say, uh, four and six. And let's say nutrient B is only accessible if the pH is between five and eight you know so you have to be in those overlapping windows in order to give the chance uh, the plant a chance to access all the different nutrients it needs to access otherwise you can put as much as you want in of a certain nutrient but the plant is not going to be able to actually use it wow wow <laughs> a lot uh of kind of measuring a lot of factors that can go into that um so uh i guess before i go on to my next question just about um, can I get into some details as what that what different types of peppers might might have some different uh, traits and characteristics? You mentioned those those two different varieties of growing. I'm sure there's different variances of those. Is, is there any other kind of? Yeah, there's yeah. Some, um, I just realized since talking about all these uh, technicalities um, that I should also mention that you can get away with not doing any of well a lot of this. You can simply buy, uh, I have, for example, a three-part solution and I have to mix it the right way. You can buy a powder and just put like, and it says put two teaspoons in a gallon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you add that in there. You don't touch the pH. You don't have a meter for the pH. You will have lettuce that will grow with no problem. So you can, you can do hydro as complicated as you want, but you can do it as easy as you want. And I would encourage anyone who will, wants to try to just watch a couple of YouTube videos and then you'll realize very quickly how easy it is. And you can start with like very basic things. I also don't do it in a too complicated way. And um, yeah, I just I just wanted to say that briefly before it was just because um, it could 
sometimes people are put off by by it seeming complicated. Yeah. And a good person to start uh, watching on YouTube, for example, is Kangstar, K-H-A-N-G, and star with two R's. So he's really um, the best guy to to look out for on YouTube when it comes to making things uh, in like gardening and hydro stuff, making it accessible. Um, but to your to come back to the question, um, there's a, for me there's the three main ones are um, deep water culture where you have the roots in the water and you have a bunker mm -hmm. inside. Um, there's the nutrient film technique where you just have it flowing through like a PVC nearly horizontally, but at a two or three percent incline. And then there's um, the um, like a Dutch bucket system they call it usually, which is, I mean, it's all similar in a way. But this is one is with media. Um, there's a bunch of other ones, um, but this one, the Dutch bucket one is one I really like. You have buckets next to each other. Um, you fill it with media, uh, which is inert. So it means it's not something like soil that has, that is uh, already, um, uh, has already got nutrients in it or interacts with the nutrients. These are just like basically stones or you put hydroton, which is like clay, um, clay balls, expanded clay balls, um, or you put perlite, which is a volcanic glass or vermiculite. Um, lots of different uh, media that you can put in there, you can get online and the plants will be having some support um, and they can soak up some of the uh, of some of the liquid while staying kind of aerated as well. So instead of having the roots hang in water, they, they're kind of in these clay balls or whatever media and the um, nutrient solution comes in the Dutch bucket system. If you have, a, imagine a few buckets in a row, um, the plants sit in these in this media um, and you have a pump pumping a nutrient solution in the top of the buckets. And on the bottom of the buckets, you have a little tap where the um, solution flows out again. That's all collected in like a, like a rain drain, kind of like a, um, another PVC pipe that goes back to the reservoir and it's pumped in a circle like that. Okay. And that's something I, I built, I built one, a system like that um, in 2020. And that was the, the biggest thing I built. And yeah, it's been really fun. Quite. I mean, you have to build it first, Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's really fun. And then there's like a couple of other ones. The flood and drain is also very popular. I do that if you want to have also use less electricity. Usually don't run those 24 seven. Um, you have those on a cycle. You just have a, a, a basket or like a container with, um, the, with media and it fills up with nutrient solution at a certain point. Um, if you like set it to every two hours or whatever, or once or twice a day, it really depends on people. It fills up and then it drains by itself automatically again afterwards. So it has this like flood and drain as the name okay. says. And that's another method people really like. I haven't tried that one myself. Yeah, okay. Well, it, I mean, it seems like there's there's the easier way to start that's not as specific um, and then you can, sounds like a lot of different ways to experiment and go deeper into different topics. And just briefly, just to, for completion's sake, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and you can maybe even put this as the, as the first one. Um, this is the, the Krutke method. It was invented by uh, well, Professor Krutke. And this one is the, uh, the simplest. Um, I say simple, but I don't think it's the easiest always, but it's simply putting a plant into a container, let's say, um, yeah, like a, a yogurt container, let's say, you have these net cups there just to hold the plant in place usually. They're just like a little, um, uh, like a yogurt tub with holes in it. And that holds the plant in, in, in its place. Um, you can also put a, some rock wool in there. Anyways, if you want to look that up. Um, 
you just just something to hold the, uh, the plant in, in its place. And then you have the nutrient solution underneath it and you have no bubblers, you have no recirculating nutrient solution. You simply have the, the roots hanging in that solution and they will drink up that solution. And as they drink up the solution, um, uh, the level of the solution obviously will drop and you don't touch mm -hmm. it. And so the more the level drops, the more there is an air gap. And that's since we need all those elements, right? We need the nutrients, the yep. water and the air. That's where they get the air automatically by drinking up the solution. So the more they grow, the more the air they get as well. And so you wanna keep the bottom at like, some people say a fifth, some people say a fourth or whatever of the container height it has to stay with the nutrients. But in that, in that one, in that system, you don't have any machines, you don't have electricity. It's the, the simplest method. But I find it um, not so easy sometimes because depending on the size of your container, you'll need to exchange the nutrient solution more often. And if you don't, watch it for a bit, then you'll suddenly find yourself with roots hanging in air and the plant is dead. So you have to kind of look after it and it's more prone to, um, to um, bacteria that grow in anaerobic environments. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if you have just standing water with no circulation or no air bubbles. So there's certain things that can go wrong, but um, it's, it's, it's definitely a very good uh, way to, for, for some, I've seen people grow huge plants um, in, in simply crutky so it can work very well it's just not my favorite yeah uh how does light factor into this as well um because i, I know when i'm germinating my plants that I, I put into soil um i give them a lot of light um to begin yeah. with um but but um does does that and i know uh some peppers like a lot of like the ghost peppers that i grow they, they really accelerate the fruit um towards the end of the season when the the days start getting shorter but um does does light play as much of a factor with, with hydroponics um are there from what i know that most peppers that i know of anyways are not uh photosensitive how do you say photosensitive right? okay so they i have some uh grow light here next to me with some bunchies like the bonsai chili peppers um, and I, I'm not very regular with this light in terms of it being off or on because it's in my bedroom. Um, of course, it's better if you have a regular light schedule. Um, but changing the light schedule, but in that regard, just to, to, uh, uh, to be clear, I think in that regard, hydro or soil doesn't make a difference. Um, I've mostly done hydro outdoors, but also a little bit indoors. And I, but I did it with these blurple lights that were really popular for a while, right? And um, if you get some cheap, blurple blue purple lights um they cannot they, they're sometimes not very good for big fruiting plants like tomatoes or peppers um but they're totally fine for something like green uh, leaves like uh, green leaf stuff like uh, lettuce you know okay um but yeah the one thing for hydro that you have to keep in mind is when you have uh, with light is that the nutrient solution is a perfect environment for any plants to grow in um, because you made it that way. And so as, as if you give that third element, you know, the, um, you have, they have the water, they have the nutrients. Now, if they get light, you will suddenly find yourself with lots of algae forming in, mm -hmm. in your containers. Okay. And so anything you do in hydro has to be completely uh, sealed off with, uh, in terms of not letting in any light. And so for my outdoor system, when you get these white plastic buckets, let's say, um, at your local hardware store and you want to use them for hydro, if you hold them against the sun and you can see a lot of light coming through, you'll have to paint them. So, or you put aluminum foil around them or something that blocks the light. So I spent okay. a couple of days waiting for paint to dry and 
applying new layers on this on these buckets just so everything is light proof okay but you can also fight a lot of these things like root rot and algae by creating a good environment in the water which is the next step after the nutrients you add certain things like um beneficial bacteria and beneficial enzymes and those really changed everything for me you know you kind of want to tell people who are beginning hydro to just keep it as simple as possible just to add the nutrients and that's it but i feel like you're making life more difficult in some ways because especially young plants are going to be prone to root rot and like the roots become brown and there's usually a bacterial infection you know um but if you have this these beneficial bacteria and these beneficial enzymes or just one of either hydroguard is is great for this you can buy hydroguard um and you only need a very small amount uh of it so you can keep the bottle for quite a while um that just if you start using that you'll see that your water stays clean and it stays clear and nothing bad grows in it so i would really recommend people to get something like hydroguard from the from the get go really you know okay awesome uh great advice lots of information here um which is which is awesome um so one question when you were explaining um the different levels whether that be nitrogen um okay what is it again it's and N- uh, it's N- nitrogen uh, phosphorus and potassium that you need and okay. when i say you need more potas- uh, potassium and phosphorus for the fruiting and and uh, flowering stage i'm not sure which one mainly but you definitely don't need ni- not a lot of nitrogen when you want to fruit or or bloom so you want to really okay. cut down on nitrogen for that so so when you were discussing the npp i in having uh different levels based on on different times and and uh everything i, I was thinking to just how some peppers grow better in different regions. Like uh, the, the daddle pepper um, is really known to be in the St. Augustine area in Florida mm. and mm. the hatch chili pepper uh, in, in New Mexico. Um, mm. So I know you went on a, a seed spree and, and uh, got a lot of different varieties. Um, does that come into play for, for the different levels that you look into kind of at, at this more uh, advanced stage that that you're in um, when thinking about planting those. I I mean I don't know how advanced, but I would I I think um, I like to just artificially create the environments that the peppers might like. You know, especially when planting indoors. You know, I'm planning on getting a, a big tent and then regulating humidity and temperature in there um, just to have it the way the peppers want it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, I feel like there's a lot of pepperheads in in Scandinavia, and they, you know, grow fantastic peppers, and they they make it somehow. I think if you have a polytunnel like those uh, round, you know, plastic sheet tunnels, it changes a lot. You can really grow things a lot, peppers a lot better if you have one of those. If you have have a greenhouse, of course, it's even better. Um, I was speaking with uh, Chris Fowler on Facebook um, yesterday, and he he's like one of the uh, uh, pepper community rock stars in a way <laughs> he um he came up with the he developed the sugar rush peach um which is a great pepper apparently i haven't actually tried it because i'm i just planted it a couple of days ago for the first time cool. um and he's developing new varieties um new cultivars um in uh in wales i think at the moment and he he uses gas to heat this poly, polytunnel you know um and so you can really just make it work for you um, another thing that somebody mentioned actually yesterday in a, in a forum is they will, when they plant seeds, they will, um, or when, when you develop new peppers, you will see what grows 
best in your area. And you will, for example, if you grow a ghost pepper, if you grow a couple of, if you get a couple of seeds from somebody and grow ghost pepper um, and you have like 10 plants, they will use the, which seems natural. You, you, they will use the seeds from the best plant mm -hmm. to grow again the next year. Um, but not just because it's the best plant um, among the 10, but it's also maybe the best plant to grow in that certain environment. So you mm, want to, yeah. keeping seeds is important in that way because you you find out what works well in your environment and yep. maybe even in your soil if you don't have it in pots, if you really plant outside in the ground, you know. So that's one way of adapting to your environment, I think. Yeah, that was something that I've really learned, uh, or not, yeah, I guess learned through failures and, uh, and just, I, I didn't realize how much, seeds can change year to year and, and really crossbreed with, with each other. Like I, I was yeah. growing uh, ghost peppers and then I had Serrano peppers right next to them. And I, I noticed the next year they were noticeably uh, different shaped, uh, lower in heat. That's cool. Um, it is cool. Yeah. Um, I, I started crossing a little bit um, and I have two of my own crosses uh, you call them like filial, they're filial generations, right? Filial with an F. So you say um, F1, F2 for the different generations. So if you, you can look this up on, on YouTube as well. It's it's really not that difficult, which is, that's the, that's the fun part. This is very accessible. So if you grow two different types of peppers, you can look online if their species kind of interbreed easily or not, um, because some don't. You have the frutessens, you have uh, uh, bakatum, Anaum, uh, Anum and uh, and Chinense, the super hots are all basically Chinense, um, and you can see if they which ones go well with which ones. Of course, two diff, two two Chinenses will definitely um, usually work, but not always, of course. But that's usually quite safe, um, for example. But uh, you can cross a lot, and you can look it up uh, how to do it. You just basically cut open uh, a premature flower from one, and you have the. This would be good to look up the that little. I've got the name in English. Stalex or something. Uh, anyways, you can you can use the pollen from another plant to uh, pollinate. That's the sorry, I was looking mm. for that word. You can use the the pollen pollen yeah from one plant to pollinate another uh, one, and the peppers that will grow on that plant that year, they'll stay the same as the mother plant. Um, but the seeds from inside that pepper, they are the first generation seeds. And if you plant them the next year, then you will well, inshallah, you will have a new plant with new types of peppers but you will plant a, let's say if you get like 10 seeds from that pod you'll plant the 10 seeds and you might have lots of different plants and the phenotype the the way the pods look will um, differ a lot from plant to plant and so you do that again you see which one you like the best and you plant those seeds again and so you have f1 f2 f3 um, usually you'll wait until f4 or if um, some people say f7 until something is st considered stable and then you have your new pepper, something that basically you uh, you came up with in a way. Um, so that's that's really fun. And at the moment, the pepper world is just going. Uh, I find quite crazy with new new cultivars. You know, um, it's and that's really fun because yeah. you have new ones pop up all the time. And of course, it's this whole race to the top for the hottest pepper in the world. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Which is for a long time not the Carolina Reaper anymore, obviously, but yeah. just officially it is. So yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, that was a fun episode I did a few years ago with Smoking Ed Curry, and and he was talking about how he he does that. Oh, yeah, so he he just says he he looks for the hottest ones, and and 
a question that I get from a lot of people that are just uh, some of their first questions when they realize I'm a, a big hot sauce and, and chili person is, mm. oh, I, I heard that the uh, to get a hotter pepper, you have to like stress the, the soil and, and have tough conditions. And, and it, it's really more the genetics piece of, exactly. of the, yeah. the seeds yeah. and, and everything. Um, yeah. I have a pepper called Zing, Z-I-N-G, and it's difficult to find much information about it. Apparently it was made by a company that doesn't exist anymore, which sounds very dramatic and mysterious. <laughs> um, and normally it's not really companies that make peppers in my experience anyways, so it's odd. Anyways, I, I have the Zing and I have a couple of other uh, peppers that are supposedly a lot hotter than the, than the Reaper. And wow. I'll, I'll have to update you when, uh, when, they're, when they sprout it, when I have some fruit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Curious. Um, I mean, you just mentioned a couple, it, it sounds like you, you're into some of the super hots, but what are some of your, the seeds that you're most excited to grow or, or some of the ones that you've enjoyed growing the most? Um, so I, I, I mean, I didn't grow a crazy amount of um, varieties last year because I was just beginning. So I was, but I really enjoyed the, um, the bubble gum, the uh, seven pot bubble gum. So there are some great seven pot varieties and bubble gum usually means the bubblegum varieties anyway, so cultivars, are usually the ones that have a bleeding calyx, it's called. So you have the color of the pod will be also in the stem. And so you'll have the, they, they look really funky. They look great, these um, these peppers. And you have lots of seven pot and bubblegum varieties um, that are just really delicious as well. I really like those. Um, so the seven pot bubblegum was great. I grew this, the lemon drop, which is a, a bacatum. Um, and they're really delicious. You can snack on them raw if, uh, yeah. If you like peppers, I mean, these are not like habanero hot, they're, they're less. Um, and I grew some habanero, of course, they're just great, a uh, great staple for sauce. Mm-hmm. I think um, Chili Champ also said that he's a great um, guy on, on, check him out on YouTube, Chili Champ. Um, he just grows them a lot for sauce as well. It's a, it's a, it's a good one to have a couple of plants of. Um, and I, of course, I grew the Reaper for the first time. I tried a tiny piece. I, I always say I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, chili pepper daredevil i i like to test the flavors and the heat level you know and grow the stuff but i i'm not going to destroy my stomach with a, i yeah. mean you're not gonna you're not gonna die of eating a whole pepper but i i wouldn't eat a whole pot of a super hot it's just not for me but eating a small piece was already an experience for me but the ones i'm excited about are um i have a next to me my my propagation tray with a uh, 60 little pots um I'm very excited about the seven pot Katie. That's a grower in uh, in the UK who uh, who made that. Um, so, so uh, the, the, what's the? Because I've heard of seven pot peppers, which are, are yeah. very hot and and. Um, but what's the is the the Katie a, a variation? Just that you've heard good things about. Yeah, I'm excited about the seven pot Katie. It's um, uh, a cultivar from the UK. And it's made by Naga Nick. Um, I, that's what it says online. Um, and it was uh, the Chili Peppers Company's Naga Viper that was crossed with a seven-pot Jonah. And they got two varieties out of that. They named one Katie and one Lucy after their developer's daughters. Okay. I've heard of, of that happening a couple of times where people name the uh, peppers after their daughter um, or, or son. I think uh, Kangsta did that once as well with Linzo. Um, and so the seven-pot Katie might be might be hotter than the than the Reaper, at least in some cases. Um, oh, it actually has been officially recorded at a staggering 1.6 uh, million Scoville heat units. 
Um, so the Katie Chili beat the Naga Viper British record of 1.4. Anyway, so th that's that's what I'm excited about, the 7KT, but that's one of many. I'm excited about the 7-pot Primo Orange. It's just a very popular one as well. Mm -hmm. um, Prime, Primo, is, if I'm not mistaken, is also one of these um, uh, developers of, of new peppers or, you know, uh, growers who come up with new peppers. 7-pot um, Primo Orange is very popular amongst those that like super hots from yep. what I know. I think uh, Rob from Seven Hot, Seven Pot Club, um, also a great guy on on YouTube. Check out his channel. He's uh, he he's I think he said at one point that he really liked that one. Very excited about the Ahi um, Charapita. These are like very small round ones. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited. Let's see the big mustard mama. I don't know why. I just really like the look of it. It has like <laughs> a mustard color. You don't have you have red and and purple and you know lots of different colors and peppers. But mustard is kind of yeah. new to me. The golden color, uh, the golden Carolina Reaper, also has a really nice color. I'm excited about that one as well, nice. just for the color. The brown bootler, I'm also super excited about because it has apparently a very intense heat level. And then I'm excited about a couple that are um, not interesting because they are uh, crazy hot, but but they have an amazing phenotype, amazing look. There's one uh, cultivar called the the Fadas White, and Fadas is F A D D A. You usually find them on uh, this these guys on on Facebook, I think, and they have these peppers that are just like they look like they're snow white. And at first, I thought the pictures were maybe a little bit doctored, but I saw them on on a video, and it was quite clear. No, these peppers are really white. Um, wow! You get white peppers that are more like cream white, but the fudders white have an amazing white. That's cool. Excited about that one. Um, I'm excited about the Kangstar Lemon Starburst, just because it's a um, pepper that you cannot buy the seeds for and you normally you can't buy the peppers either you can only trade the seeds so it's um a kind of this kind of thing really keeps these pepper communities like the pepper yeah. lover community the plc really alive um yeah and then there's a couple of other ones that have just crazy phenotypes like lucifer's lemons um if you look it up it looks just amazing or the orange tiger Taj Mahal, and they all have crazy names, you know. <laughs> purple UFO is, as you'd imagine, looks like a purple UFO. Yeah. Then there's the Reaper Spagliato Purple Peach, <laughs> which wow. is uh, in Italy, and I can't pronounce Spagliato, I think. But this one is just, if you look it up, it just looks amazing, like a white with some like purplish hues in it, and they're quite bumpy. Usually, the bumpier the pepper, the the more heat it has, but that's not always true, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then the Thunder Mountain Longhorn, I'm really excited about because they are like as long as your forearm, um, quite uh, thin. They come from the Thunder Mountain area in, in China. Um, yeah, wow. those are some of the ones that I'm that I'm really excited about. Um, oh, lastly, briefly, I'm sorry, I know I'm no, going go on for it. lots of tangent. Um, I'm excited about some for heat level, excited about some for um, the way they look. And I'm excited about for some um, because they are quite rare and interesting. You have the CGN19198, for example. And that one is interesting because you can't really, uh, it's been apparently quite difficult to classify into which, which species it goes. Um, also excited about something I'm getting from Chris Fowler as well. Um, it's the USDA Cardenasii. It's also just a very rare um, type pepper. A lot of these people would often call them wild uh, peppers, I think. They haven't been interbred with much. You know, they often come from South America. Um, and a lot of these rare ones are 
they look like little uh you call them you'd say birdberry in german but that's not the right word like tiny little berries you'd find on bushes on the side of the road that your mom tells you not to eat you know <laughs> they um so they're usually quite small and and spherical and there are some really rare um types out there anyways and i think i'm quite excited about um about those too yeah Awesome. Wow. Well, that's going to keep you busy. Um, but I, I guess I just wanted to, to wrap up with a, a couple last questions and um, seems like you've progressed and learned a lot and, and enjoyed uh, this a lot in, in the past uh, 12 months to a year. Uh, what What's kind of on the, the pipeline besides growing a lot more? Are there different things that uh, you've been really interested in, in or, or thinking about that you've uh, learned from the community? So um, I, I've done a little bit of hydroponics in different ways. I've mainly done the Dutch bucket system, the deep water culture, and the and the and the Krotky methods. And I want to try a little bit more hydroponic methods, like um, like a more of a recirculating deep water culture. Uh, R, um, um, RDWC, I guess, is usually what people refer to. Um, by, um, and I'm going to start a little bit more indoor growing as something new to me, which I've only done in a shed with lights, but I want to really do it in a tent in an apartment. And the problem is with my work and my lifestyle is that I usually travel a lot. Um, and so that doesn't really work well with uh, with pepper growing. Um, it's even annoying in a way that you want to maybe meet some people and travel and go see them and not just for work. And you have to tell them that you're going to, you have these peppers you have to look after. I mean, it's it sounds like a really stupid excuse. <laughs> so, um, you, uh, so what I want to look into a little bit more is how to automate um, uh, systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of ways to do it. I think in soil, there are a couple of, uh, a few systems that you can just buy right out. There's the, um, the Autopot, which is um, a way to have, uh, you have a little uh, valve on the bottom of pots and uh, a, water that comes just uh, through um, uh, gravity to these pots and they water them from the bottom and the valves will close if there is enough water in the soil already. So technically you can leave those water pots um, once you buy a set, uh, you can you can leave those for weeks or months. I don't know as long as it's not too crazy hot and the water um, all evaporates. Um, that's one way. There's another system called Blumat, B-L-U-M-A-T. Um, it's German, I think. Bluma means flower. Um, and you, they have also another system that I can't explain here or maybe ever of little clay, uh, clay bits of clay that you can put into the soil on the top. This time, not bottom feeding, but from the top. And it works in a similar way, I think, to the autopod in that you, the system only lets water through if um, if the soil is dry. And if it's wet, it'll no water will come in. And you can... You can also just uh, adjust it, I think, a little bit depending on what you're growing. You want, of course, a bit more water for tomatoes and, and less water for peppers, for example. And that also feeds it through gravity. So these are great because you don't need any electricity and you don't mm-hmm. need solar power even or anything. You can just leave these for quite a while. Um, another one that I do myself as well already last year, which I loved, was the self-wicking pots. Self-watering, self-wicking pots. Um, they're amazing. You can look up how to do them with a double bucket method, for example. Very easy to set up. Um, and I, uh, it also just basically you have a reservoir on the bottom of your pot and uh, a net cup, let's say, with a soil or something else that hangs into the water and will wick up the water to the plant as much as the plant's ne- plant needs. And that means that you can just fill that reservoir with water 
or other nutrients and then leave it for a while and the plant will take what it needs. I did with that and I experimented by putting hydroponic nutrients, which are not usually made for soil because you have salt buildup um, into that reservoir and the plants grew just like crazy. So I actually want to try something like that again. I want to modify it a bit. But um, I think uh, what you may want to get to is the uh, more automated system indoors, which I want to try, which is, uh, or outdoors, I guess, which is to build something with, uh, with Raspberry Pi. Um, you can use Raspberry Pi, but you can also use Arduino. There are two, um, and this is where uh, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the topic more at much anymore at all. These are basically, the, the Raspberry Pi is basically like a little computer. It is a little computer. Um, but it's as big as a credit card. Um, and Arduino is um, more something that looks also like a chip, like a credit card size chip, I think. And you can connect a lot of things to it, which um, like, a, like a pH meter, and you can connect uh, something that will uh, house uh, the electricity sources for your pumps or lights or heaters or whatever, humidifiers. And you can write a program so that the um, these little devices will, um, monitor uh, your grow and you can set it up in a way that you have it on your phone or your laptop to, to see the level of uh, uh, nutrients through EC, for example, or you can see the level of humidity or the level of pH, and you can just see everything that's going on in your grow um, on your computer um, wow. through these things. So that's the monitoring part. You can simply set up a Raspberry Pi and program it and have it monitor everything and tells you what, and then you can adjust it yourself. Um, the next level, of course, is to have it monitor and regulate at the same time. So it will itself act on what it's monitoring. And so if wow. it sees the pH is increasing too much, there'll be a little dispenser of pH down solution that will drop into the nutrient solution and will adjust the pH until it's at the right level. And I'm not at all very technical. And so I, I, I would never be able to write that code myself, but people have already written it. Cool. Um, which doesn't make it too much easier from my eyes at the moment. It seems like an insurmountable task still, but technically you can put together this device by the different probes, um, like a pH probe and all that, and plug them into the right uh, devices that are attached to your Raspberry Pi, for example, build it all up this, this way, the way it should be built. And this is, um, there are instructions for all of this online. The one I'm thinking mainly when I say this at the moment is called MyCodo, like my and code, but with no in the end and one word, MyCodo. Um, and this uh, MyCodo, you can just, uh, it, it'll, they'll explain how to build this thing, set it up. And then they will give you a link to where the code is on GitHub, I think. And it will just run that code and you can have to still calibrate certain things, but they also help you with that. Um, and then in theory, you can build a hydroponic system that monitors and regulates itself. And I honestly don't think I'll get quite there, but I want to experiment with it, you know, and have a wow. look. I would uh, definitely recommend if you're interested in the topic to start off with it, to watch this YouTube uh, video. So the um, if you want to look into this self-regulating kind of hydroponic system, um, I think the one, the Mycota one is done by uh, somebody called Kyle Gabriel, if that's the name. Um, automatic hydroponic system build, and you'll find his YouTube video on it as well. And it's just amazing to watch how he puts it together, how he installs the code and how it just grows all the stuff. Wow. Um, 
you had to do. I, I really want to check that out, and and uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to come back and do a, a video tour uh, <laughs> sometime later. Check out everything in action, but um, just briefly, and there's yep. the there's the um, Mycoto is one, and I think there's another one called Pi Grow as well. Just in okay. case people want to do different ones, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well. Um, I know uh, we covered a lot today, but this is exactly what uh, I thought would be so cool to, to talk through and everything. So I, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing some of uh, what you've learned over uh, the past couple of years. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, it's great how you were kind of dropping resources and, and people to follow on YouTube. I think like YouTube and Google uh, and, and Facebook communities can just, you can learn so much from them, but um, are there particular resources, groups uh, that you encourage people to, to check out if they're interested in, in digging into more? And, and obviously we'll, we'll try to include a lot of the links um, in the show notes for this podcast, but uh, any, any suggestions for, for follow-up places? Yeah. Um, I think I mostly started on the, um, on the hot peppers uh, subreddit on Reddit. It's um, yeah. If you're not familiar with Reddit, I think some people say it's, it's a bit complicated to use or not very user-friendly. I think you can get there quite quickly. Um, after a few minutes, you'll figure it out. So look for hot peppers uh, on Reddit. Uh, then, I think the biggest one I know of is the Pepper Lover community. And the Pepper Lover community um, started on Google Plus back in the day and has now moved since that doesn't exist anymore. And they're represented on a few different platforms. Um, there is the Facebook group, Pepper Lovers. Um, there's the subreddit as well, Pepper Lovers. Um, and there is the Discord as well. Um, and I never really used Discord before, before um, very much. I think I tried it once. But um, for, for this uh, Pepper Level community stuff, the Discord has been really helpful and very useful. Some really nice people on there. They're all happy to help. You, can, you have different sections inside the Discord as well on different topics in the Pepper world or growing world, including, for example, hydroponics. And you can get on there, talk to people. I mean, just have fun as well and ask questions. And people are usually quite happy to help. For the YouTube stuff that I mentioned, definitely check out Kangstar with a K-H-A-N-G. Um, He's a, he's a really nice guy. He answers a lot of questions. He's very good for beginners because he always brings it back to the basics, you know. Mm. Um, there's Chili Chump, who has a great um, channel. You know, he goes as far as even selling some hot sauces and, um, you know, some great content. There's um, uh, the Seven Pod Club. Um, and that one's really fun. I really recommend watching it. Uh, his videos. He grows hot peppers, as you say, and has says, and he doesn't just say it, he sings it. So he will make songs about growing peppers <laughs> that are hilarious. He doesn't take himself too seriously. And the songs are just really fun. That's awesome. Um, so even like on, on specific topics on why using the double cup method, why he doesn't like that, you know, and he'll make a whole song about it. Great production, you know, and he knows how to make music and how to cut things and really fun guy. Um, so Chili Champ, Kangster and, uh, and Rob from Seven Club are the main ones. I watch um, on YouTube and there's another guy who's also great on uh, uh, for the hydroponic side of things and peppers um, and that's Peter Stanley and he has a great channel as well. So I would recommend, I th yeah, those. Awesome. Phil, well, uh, thank you so much for, for sharing this. Um, good luck with everything. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll have to be a part two later where we uh, report back how, how uh, things are progressing, but 
I appreciate Thanks. your time. Yeah. Thanks very much, Brian. And uh, sorry, I know I talk very quickly and uh, and with lots of stuff when I get excited about a topic. <laughs> so thanks for bearing with me and thanks for having me. No problem. And and just to say, anything I'm saying here might be completely wrong. I'm really just a hobby gardener, you know. So I I love the stuff and and I I want to give the best information uh, possible, but I can't guarantee that everything I say obviously is exactly correct. You're gonna have of lots of experts listening to me who are gonna say that uh, they do it completely differently or I got something completely wrong. That's totally possible. So this is just how I understand it. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about hydroponics and chili growing. A lot of cool stuff uh, that I learned from Phil in that episode. Uh, definitely dense, but uh, a lot of fun and I think perfect for those uh, looking to explore and go further down that rabbit hole. Uh, but if you're interested in exploring other topics related to hot sauce, chili growing, or interested in buying and trying out some small batch hot sauces from all over the world, be sure to check out our website, crafthotsauce.com. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and till next time. Adios.